people all over the UK have been kind enough to give me access into their homes, kitchens and restaurants to share their food and their stories with me. Hey, let's do humans, you know. Cheers! Welcome to this food banks. Yes, yes, this food banks. Listen, food banks. right now, I'm with the COO, the Jeez. CEO, the main guy, <laughs> all the titles, <laughs> all the titles <laughs> of Francis. We got Francis yeah. from Let's Do Humans. Appreciate that, man. The main guy. Listen, honestly, it's a pleasure for you, for, you know, to be here, yeah. for you to invite me. Listen, I'm... I'm blown away man no, I, mean, it's a, I love it's, your podcast as well it's a pleasure for me being here man obviously we worked together previously on, yeah, yeah. on a couple of on the podcast before and yeah. um, checking out your new stuff with less, like this food banks is yeah, yeah. amazing so it's a pleasure you hitting me up man I mean I, 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 I didn't know I was a professional chef like that to be deserving <laughs> of your channel but you know what I mean I'll take up any challenge any opportunity Listen, anytime bro, so I appreciate you it you do your thing fam yeah, you throw it, it down you do your thing trust yeah. me um, honestly thank you very much for having me you know we're with the Black Viking the Come Black Thought Come on. You know what I'm saying? You soon find out why we're calling the <laughs> black, black Viking. What's the black Viking? Yeah, 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 they're thinking, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, tell us what went into your dish, man. Oh, yeah, so what we have here is um, it's just your standard Swedish meatballs. Mm. You've got your gravy and then your um, lingonberry sauce as well. So mm. it's, it's like a basic Swedish staple diet that everyone knows globally. Mm. Fancy, obviously, IKEA, and mm. they're making it one of the most popular meals when. When it comes to like um, Swedish branding and brandish so brands in the in the UK, because most people tend to go to IKEA for like flat packs, but when they go there, it's always pop down to the meatball section just to that's why check I on these Swedish people. That's the only reason I go that's to IKEA. To be honest with you, man, it's, it's always down to the meatballs. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what we're having today, man. We're having your standard Swedish meatballs with um, some potatoes and sauce mm. as well. Yeah. Love it. Talk us through the process. Right? Mm. What went into each component? Okay, so. Initially, I usually start off with a meatball, mm. and um, when I start off with a meatball, uh, I fry onions mm. in a pan, mm. make sure that they get nice and brown and goldenish, mm-hmm. and then um, I mix the onions with your usual uh, meatball ingredients. So right. I mix it with the mince, with the right. egg, right. the breadcrumbs, and then right. the seasoning as well. So, but the seasoning comes down to the individuals, mm. like your mm. flavor, your your palate, what type mm. of seasoning mm. you want your meatball mm. to be. Mm. You can have the standard with your black peppers and stuff, or you can go all in, go all continental African on them and just put yeah. in like all the seasonings in the world just to get that flavour in <laughs> and um, once you've got that mm. you let it set for a bit before you roll it into the meatballs right but whilst you're working on the meatballs as well you've got the um, this, well I'm using sweet potatoes today right. for this particular dish mm. you, you bang that in the oven for like 15-20 minutes or so yeah and then you start working on the sauce so in regards to the sauce I use mm. the same pan that I just fried the onions in yeah that's just to get the flavouring going right and then you add your flowers, you add your beef stock and mm-hmm. just your regular sort of like um, mm. sauce material and you let that simmer for like six minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. And bang, you've got that and then you just top it off with the lingonberry sauce which is just like a berry yeah. that um, the Scandinavians like to use and turn into like a jammish type of sauce. So right, right, that's right, what you've right. got on the side of the dish. Yeah. Nah, bro, honestly, mm. it's big. It's, it's, it's very nice, man. I, I'm enjoying it. It's got Appreciate a kick. It. The meatball has definitely got mm. that, that spicy twang. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Some yeah. additions added to it that's not usually added into the meatball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has to be that, done. Is that how you adapted? So how have you adapted this dish then, and why have you adapted this dish um, to your own liking? So the adaptation comes from like sort of like the seasoning that I see my parents using at home. So coming from like a Ghanaian background initially, right. mm. um, we tend to use a lot of seasonings, mm. like a lot of peppers, mm. a lot of all purposes, right? A lot of spicy uh, like stuff. Yeah, we like to use a lot of spicy ingredients. Mm. And what that does is it's kind of like it. It kind of 
it kind of like brings you into a familiar territory mm. into like season that we're used to having you know you mm. know regular foods or mm. you know meats and stuff but mm. if you were to go to ikea for instance it wouldn't be that stacked full of like hard spicy seasoning right. so it's just me adding a bit of flavor as in regards to things that i'm used to i'm accustomed mm. to in mm. my culture so mm. yeah that's how i spice up by adding some of the hot stuff in there now i can feel it still all, <laughs> all that's missing is shit off you know what i mean that's all that's me. missing you that would have been authentically gone in yeah. <laughs> That's what Ghanaians have, like, shito, 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 you know And it goes with anything. That's, mm, that's the good mm, part. Shito mm, goes with absolutely everything. Yeah. Mm. Now, it's good, though, man. This is banging. One criticism, mm. I think too much sweet things going on. You know me. Yeah. I'm from Ghana. <laughs> you know, I'm not used to sweet, sweet. It's the sweet potato with yeah. the jam. Mm. And then, yeah, man. It confuses your palate. It confuses my palate. If it's meant know? to be sweet, it's meant to be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> if it's sweet, give me a cake. <laughs> if it's spicy, give me shito. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Keep it moving. Hot sauce. You know what I'm saying? But no, no. Mm. The, the meatball is definitely very nice. I'll definitely mm. steal the recipe. No, definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to pass on. I think mixtures in flavours between like sweet and savoury, it, it works sometimes. Mm. But if you're not used to it, it, it comes yeah. across a bit weird because I, I mean, I was I was never used to it, used to mm. it like that mm-hmm. until like I, I moved to Sweden, obviously, and I lived there for the majority of my younger years. Mm. And um, it's just something that you become accustomed to. Right. So now I'm kind of used to that whole idea of mixing the two together. But yeah, yeah, historically, yeah. it's not really something that everyone is accustomed to or even mm. like in the mm. first place. But mm. if done right, it gives you a good flavour. Yeah, is that how they mm. have it in Sweden then? Yeah, with the sauce. Yeah, 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 sauce yeah. yeah it is a staple. Right. Um, mm. So why this dish? Why did you decide when I called you mm. and I said, yo, can you make an appearance on this with Banks? Yeah. Why did you decide to go, go for this dish? Okay, number one, it's very easy. <laughs> I didn't want to be slaving away in the kitchen for hours when you were here. But um, two, I think it has a story too as well because most people that are watching it right now wouldn't assume that I'm Swedish. Yeah. But actually, I am Swedish national. I have a Swedish passport. Right. Like, I lived in Sweden for a majority of my um, former years, my younger years. Mm. And um, I think it tells a great story of culture. Mm. It's like I'm Ghanaian born, yeah. lived in Sweden for mm. the majority of my childhood and yeah. then moved into the UK in my yeah. mid-teens. Mm. So it kind of tells you that transitional story. Right. And whenever people ask me what, where, where do I come from, they're always waiting for me to say the African country first. Yeah. But just to play on it mm. and just to sound a bit exotic, I always jump in there by saying I'm Swedish. Mm. And then they'll be like, come on man, where are you really from bro? We know, <laughs> we know you're from the continent. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah obviously I'm Ghanaian, but yeah. I'm actually a Swedish national because right. that's where I got my citizenship from right. um, when I came into Europe. So. Yeah. Yeah, like it just tells a story of like transition, it tells a story of culture, mm. it tells a story of mixture, it tells a story of like the globe and how things function and move around. And like, you can be of any origin, but like for you real. can be a citizen of any other country as well. For real. For real. And it for just real. kind of all merges together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but meatballs, are they really from Sweden? That's the interesting story, actually. That's so, the thing. a lot of people automatically assume when they hear meatballs, they just think Sweden. Yeah. They think Swedish people invented meatballs. This is it. But it's not actually. Where's it from? Um, so the story is that it's from Turkey. Right. So in the 18th century, mm. I think his name was King Charles. Mm. He was a Swedish king at the time. He travelled to Turkey and um, he picked up on their culture. Where, you know kofti? Which is basically made off of like leftover meats. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they used to make them into meatballs in Turkey. So he brought that tradition over to Sweden and the Swedish people adopted it and right. took it over. And now it's become like a Swedish thing. Why did you say it to Sweden? As a gift uh, well, he, no, he, he's from Sweden, so he, he took uh, the tradition back to Sweden, to Sweden after right. his trip to Turkey. Right. Yeah, so, and then the Swedish people obviously over-adopted it and stole it, and now it's become like a Swedish known thing when um, it kind of originated from Turkey. That's insane. Yeah. That is mad. Mm. You see, this is why I like doing the show. Yeah. 
you know, I would never have had a clue, you know. Mm-hmm. I just kept thinking Sweden, IKEA, meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my reference points. Yeah. When I think of you know meatballs and and a lot of people does. You're not you're not the only one. Mm. Even I mean, I only learned that a couple of years myself, mm-hmm. like a couple of years ago, because I was always under the like. I was always under the idea that meatballs are a Swedish thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always been associated to Sweden. Mm. And that's the funny thing about cultures. Cultures can shift. Yeah. And ideas from cultures can be kind of like adopted and then owned by someone else if you're not careful. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All, all of a sudden, soon Kente is going to be a Scottish thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, that's how culture works sometimes. It shifts. It shifts. And it's constantly adapting and evolving. Definitely. Evolving for sure. Mm. Um, let's talk about, you know, your your sort of your journey because mm. you say that obviously you, you identify yourself as Swedish but mm-hmm. originally where, where, where are you from? Um, I, actually, so I identify with all the three countries the three, that, right, that I'm associated with because I think, I think that's very important culturally. Right. I think one of the issues that we're kind of facing in today's culture is that identity. Everyone's kind of like where, lost in regards to where they belong, yeah. Yeah, where their heart is, where their soul is mm. and where their culture is mm. and that's, that's one of the big issues and the thing is when you when you find yourself being in a position where you're kind of battling along those three fronts, mm-hmm. you're never really settled, you're never really at peace, mm-hmm. and you never really know where your loyalty should lie. So you're mm-hmm. constantly battling, not just all the other elements, but you're battling yourself because right. your own identity is kind of lost. Yeah, yeah. But I respect all the cultures I've, I've, I've been involved in, all the mm-hmm. countries I'm in, and I love them all equally. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe Ghana a little bit more, yeah, let me not lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, was, I was born in Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, Moved to Sweden around the age of five. Mm. Obviously, parents went to study um, mm. abroad and so forth. And then at the age of eleven, I moved to London. Mm. So it's like I've been through the three transitions where, yeah. like, I was born in Africa, had right. that whole experience. Right. Went to Scandinavia as they as they and, and at that time when I went to Scandinavia right. in the early what nineties or whatever. Yeah. Like being the only black kid in like primary school mm. and then coming into the UK from being the only black kid in primary school to right. being in a classroom where there was only one white boy. That that's insane. You know what I mean? So it's like I've seen all the various like culture shifters and and what that does to one's identity and what it does to your understanding of how the world functions as well. For because real. how people behave towards you in Ghana and in Sweden and in the UK is completely different. Right. The experiences with others is completely different. Right. So that's that's been my kind of like travel journey and my cultural experience. Right. That's so. interesting. You, you say it's completely different. Mm. How different is it? So, for instance, in Ghana, mm. there's no there's no black identity crisis mm. because black is the dominant. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't go to Ghana and be pro-black. Yeah. You because just are. You just are black. And you don't, and you might not necessarily understand their lived experiences of other blacks in places where they're not the dominant culture. Mm. You see what I mean? Because mm. when you're not the dominant culture, your experience is always going to be different. Absolutely. Regardless, Absolutely. whether it's negative, positive, whatever, it's mm. always going to be different because... You're not seeing everyone like you. You're not experiencing mm. culture the way that you're used to. Mm. And then going into Sweden, it was a bit of a shock initially because now I'm in a classroom where there's no black faces. Mm. Like, I think it was just me and my, my cousin, Regina. Right. Like, right. We, we were the only, like, black kids there. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, but the funny thing is, with that experience, it wasn't really negative in the sense of our treatment. It was more negative in the sense of, like, our paranoia and feeling misplaced. Yes, yes, yes. Do you yes, know what I mean? Yes, yes. Because they, they felt more intrigued by us. So it's mm. like, where are you from? Oh, like, who are you? This right. type of thing. And we're kids at this time. Do you right. know what I mean? We're, right, right, we're right. like in our early, early infancy. Yeah. So we, we used to play this game a lot where we used to tell people like, oh, we're, 
we're American or like we, we, we've got cousins and family in America and stuff because America was like a cool culture yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to look at and, and stuff like that at the time so that, that was the games we used to play but mm. there was a story apparently that the first week of school I used to like run away from school a lot and just run home because I was I must have been hella confused by all the, all the blonde hair blue eyes but eventually I managed to assimilate and, and get accustomed to the culture and understand the people and once you learn the language of the people as well you, you start building a connection because language is what put, brings us together. It's one of the unifying factors. For real. So For that was my experience there. And then coming to the UK it was just wild. It's just like, whoa. Now I'm seeing like a whole bunch of us. Yeah. And now I'm truly experiencing like what it is to, to feel black. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Even though Sweden, there was less black people. But in the UK, the, the history and the, the relationship between blacks and whites and Africans and Caribbeans, mm-hmm. there was a history there. A lot had happened. So... Right. It, it, that deter, that's a determining factor in regards to how people see each other right, right, and right. how people relate to each other as well right. so yeah that, that was that was an eye opener that's crazy um, because when, when I when I got yeah because I remember when I was in Ghana mm. like I remember never f- asking myself or questioning my identity you never would because I was raised when I was raised in Ghana that's mm. what I mean until I came to this country mm-hmm. and I remember my mum always tells me this story she's always like rah I remember when you first came to this country, you like, yeah. my first question was, why are there white people here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I've, I've never seen a white person mm. before, ever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that was a shock to me. Mm. So again, I kind of relate to the fact that you felt almost misplaced and mm. you felt like, where do I belong? Now I've really got to dig yeah. in here yeah. to sort of show people my culture whereas in Ghana it's easy you just you walk around and it's, it's, yeah it's, it's dominant culture it's dominant culture yeah. dominant 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 but I think so, I was probably fortunate as well that I, I moved to Sweden at a very young age yeah. where it was easy for me to adapt mm. When if you come to a country like that at an older age then mm. it's probably a bit more difficult yeah because you're forced to go into maybe like a working environment where mm. you're not learning the language, mm. you're not growing up with people, you're not developing friendships because mm. friendships is what keeps us connected. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like, especially if, if you're having friendships from a young age. Yeah. Because a lot of the people that I, I grew up with in, in Sweden, even even though I left when I was like 12 or whatever, mm. I'm still in touch with them. I still right. visit them all the right. time. Right. I still have right. a family right. over there. So we're still connected mm. because we have that familiarity. And when you have yeah. familiarity with someone, you, you, right. p- you protect them. You, right. You're, you're cool with them, mm. you know. I mean? You relate to them on a certain mm. level, mm. so that was probably essential. But if someone older, their experience would have been completely different. Very <laughs> different, very very different. Mm. That's that's insane. Still, let's talk about food, man. Because mm. obviously, when when we talk about places and mm. destinations, locations, the mm. first thing that comes to mind is is food. Yeah, like you yeah. know, obviously, let's start from the beginning, mm. from when you know, from Ghana. Hmm. What are your fondest memories of Ghana when it came to? Um, I mean, I still go to Ghana quite a lot now, so yeah. um, I'm still very in tune. Yeah, and um, to me, one of the, one of the beautiful things about like um, the African culture per se, which is slightly different to the European culture, is, mm. is the manner in which like we engage over food. Mm. So, for instance, like if you go to like a bar or mm. a local bar on, mm. on, on the street in, in mm. Ghana, for instance. You have like a whole bunch of people sitting outside mm. and sharing a massive bowl of food and eating with their hands. Obviously, mm. it's a bit different with COVID now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna have yeah, ten yeah. men dipping their hand into a bowl no, of food for it now. Do you know no, what I no, mean? No, but no, no, no. the thing is, is that whole like is, it, it becomes more like a communal thing. Yes. So with food back home, it's like you don't just pick up your plate and go to your room with your Xbox and you're picking at your chips yeah. or whatever. Like yeah. there is a communal thing. Yeah. You know what I mean, there's there's even a saying in Ghana. Um, 
I, I don't know. I forgot to say in tree, but they. So whenever you receive your food, you always have to walk. Yeah, you welcome everybody yeah, in yeah, yeah. to to join you. Mm. Basically, you're you're saying, look, I've I've received this food now. You're all welcome. You're all welcome. Like, come join me. Yeah, come join me. It, it's it's it doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna come and join you, but it's a part of the tradition of mm. when you receive your food. Mm. It's, it's a part of like the the pleasantries to invite everyone mm. around you. That's the communal side. Yes, of things. yes. And then they respond by saying, now nah, go and handle yeah, this. You've got you, it. You got this. You know what I mean? This is. I believe in your source. I believe in your source. <laughs> you, you, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you got this. Like yeah, you, you yeah, can, you yeah, can sort yeah. this out. And that, that's one of the beauties of it. And people don't realise the subtleties of that tradition in itself. Exactly. And whenever I see people do it, I'm like, right, like, th- there's something deeper, like, beyond this than just mm. inviting people into mm. your food. Mm. So it's like, every time you receive food, you're not just digging in, you're like, yo, guys, the fr- is, you're all welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah, wait for them to respond yeah, yeah. before you eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. It's that coming of coming together. It's a communal and thing. Communal you know what I mean? It's a family thing. And that's, that's one of the beauties of, like, food in Africa in particular mm. but obviously we all know about food in Africa and Ghana it's heavy yeah. it's heavily starch heavy so once you eat you're out <laughs> carbs man yeah it's heavy but I love it man I love like the street food I love the hard stuff I love the fufus the benku the mutu what were you uh, banging when you were like in Ghana at a young um, age yeah Probably like just the basic rice as well. Basic that. rice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when I was younger, I used to eat fufu a lot. A lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So fufu. me and Pops, he would like, because him, he, he, without fufu, he hasn't ate. Yeah. So if 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 he eats rice here throughout the whole day, yeah, know? yeah. Like he ain't going to bed until he eats fufu. This used to be back in the day, but he stopped now. Mm. And it's like, fufu to him, it's like, yo, now I've eaten, I've yeah. arrived now, like I'm KO'd, right, yeah, I'm yeah, done yeah, now, yeah, I'm yeah, sorted. Yeah. So yeah. I used to eat a lot of that when I was younger. But as I got older, I got into sports and martial arts and stuff, yeah. then it's like, yo, you have to cut down on the fufu, man. Yeah, the starch yeah, is heavy. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that was me, man. What was, what was your favourite Ghanaian food? Do you know what? My favourite Ghanaian food was wache. It's always mm. been wache. Because um, I was raised in Agogo. So okay. The rural part of Ghana, mm. not the city. So, mm. you know, we're deprived from, like, a lot of... Uh, the village boy, yeah? Yeah, man. <laughs> we're deprived from the, a lot of the, you know, the, the, the mm. nice, proper Ghanaian cuisines. You yeah, know, every yeah. day I was munching fufu and spinach soup. Fufu and oh, spinach soup. Yeah. And they, so, when we had jollof, it was... Like it was occasionally, and mm. we used to go mad over it. We used to go nuts. Yeah. So every time you get jollof, I'll munch it quick. Mm. So it's my mum always says like that stuck with you because you don't chew your rice. Mm. So when I used to get jollof, I'll back it because people will like to dip in, and I'll be like, "Yo, big man, That's we only get this once a month, you know. <laughs> yeah, man yeah. can't share it. You feel me, cuz? I hear that. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, man, that was my food. Watch it, mm. uh, shito with the Gary, you know. Yeah, and spaghetti, and spaghetti, you know? yeah, spaghetti yeah. on top. Oh, in the boiled egg, and then they serve it in a leaf. There's something, there's something that's popping up in the boiled egg now. Boiled egg is everywhere. Do you know what? Yeah, no, especially like in the Ghanaian um, cuisines. Yeah, yeah, we love our boiled eggs. Yeah, but now it's becoming like a bit of like a, a dig at us now. What? So, so I keep getting a lot of my Nigerian friends being like, "What? You're at home eating egg? You're at home eating egg?" I'm like, "What's this thing with Ghanaians and egg? Yo, it's protein, bro." It's, it's, <laughs> It's some good stuff now, but yeah. now it's becoming like a joke because they're starting to notice that Ghanaians have egg very few. We have yeah, egg yeah, about yeah, salads. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have egg everywhere, like yeah. possible. I want, I want to actually really try to dig in and find out the history behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nah, it's, uh, that's that's what I used to bang out. So yeah, Agogo was was tough times, man. So when yeah. we when I moved to the city, yeah. I was eating wache, and you know in Ghana where in yeah. Accra you eating wache for breakfast, mm, in the and the ladies come and wache, wache, brother you know what I want yeah. so you're running out you're getting all the mm. man those were good times man I yeah, love Ghana me. man so obviously the transition from moving to from mm. Ghana to, to Sweden mm. how did you adapt to the, 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 you know obviously you've already spoken about yeah. 
how you you know you felt in terms of being misplaced and being the only mm. black kid in the classroom. Yeah. In terms of food, what did you? What was your go-to um, meal when you were in Sweden? Then the, the 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 beautiful thing about when we moved to Sweden is that we already had a family there. Like, right. We had a, we had a couple of like. Why family. did you move there, by the way? And That's very. Family just went out there. Like parents just went yeah, out there yeah. to study and stuff and to work or whatever. Mm. Just the usual transitioning from Africa into Europe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Movements. Um. So. Because we had a bit of a Ghanaian community, like a couple of households. In Sweden? Like, yeah. There's a Ghanaian community there? Well, now there is. Now there's yeah. a heavy Ghanaian community. But not, um, not, not at that time. It was, it was all just our family that we knew. Mm. So we were still engaging in like Ghanaian food. Right. Strictly. Do where, you know what I mean? Where, where were they getting the produce from? Was there like a local... They, they were just... So so I, I mean, I'm thinking back now, yeah, how we used to make like stuff like fufu and stuff mm. like that back in Sweden. I'm thinking about it is is way more different than how we used to make it here. No, yeah. Yeah. In terms of like, I don't know, like before you 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 mixing the farina and the mashed potatoes yes, and stuff like yes, that. Yes. Yes. Now you've got fufu powder. Fufu powder. You've yeah. got stuff pre-made, like pre-prepared. So yeah. the process has changed significantly. Mm. Whilst you used to get people that are doing the proper stuff in the back and right. you know what I mean, pounding the yam and everything. But yeah, so they were still getting the produce out there. Mm. And I think with Sweden in particular, there's always been like a connection with Denmark as well. So we lived in the southern part of Sweden. Right. So it was easy to get to Denmark. Right. And Denmark seemed to be more like um, culturally connected at the time. Like mm. a, lot of the, a lot of the Ghanaians and Africans used to travel over to Denmark to work because the currency was stronger. Yeah, yeah. And um, they, obviously being a stronger currency as well, like people were bringing stuff out there. So they were mm. bringing all the African produce, the yams right. and stuff. Right. But now it's readily available. Mm. Whilst way back then in the early 90s and stuff, people yeah, had yeah. to bring it in. So yeah. we were still getting it. So we didn't really adapt and become sweet. Our, our palate, or like our diet, didn't be, didn't become Swedish. It wasn't it wasn't taken over like that. It mm. was still dealing with the Ghanaian food, the jollof rices mm. and stuff. Cause did, did it make you feel closer to home when you were doing that? Definitely. Yeah, it made you feel. Definitely. Sometimes it's <laughs> comfort food, but it takes you home. Doesn't Definitely. It? And one thing I realized as well, I don't know if you noticed it, but when you eat food from your country, you start engaging in the language as well. Yes. Yeah, so you yes. feel the same thing. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. I found that a lot of us, like, so when I came to the UK, I realised that a lot of Ghanaians, like, not everyone spoke the language. Mm. But in Sweden, everyone that came from Sweden still had still spoke the language fluently. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from, maybe because of the fact that it was, there wasn't many of us, so we didn't really in- integrate with the Swedish community, so we mm. start speaking the languages at home. Yeah. But I think, like, I think, like, engaging over stuff like food and cultures and stuff, mm. it, it pushes you to... To kind of communicate in your own in language, language, especially if you're eating your own national dishes and stuff, because you're calling the food by the name, for real, you're for inquiring real, about for it. For real. You see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you naturally yeah, yeah, yeah. switch code and switch, start becoming yeah. Ghanaian. Ghanaian. It's like, yeah, yeah. when I'm eating fufu, I feel Ghanaian. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. digging into the fufu with yes, my hands, yes. like digging out the soup and everything, yeah, yeah, and yeah, automatically yeah. I feel more Ghanaian. Yeah. I start behaving more Ghanaian. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a natural theme of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? You want to grab a star beer when you're yeah. when you're having your. I try to tell that to my cousin. He's still he's still eating fufu with a spoon. No, that's a that's Kevin, Kevin, you know Kevin. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, eating, he's eating fufu with a spoon. Nah, that's a shambles. I had to, I had to tell him off, bro. I was like, bro. Nah, nah, you don't do that. Our bro. ancestors will be rolling in you the know, I, I find it so weird when I see people like eating like heavy African food that's like, that's traditionally eaten with your hands when yeah. they have like a fork and a spoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know, I just find it weird. It's weird. Even eating rice. I remember when I came, so mm. when I went to primary school. I used to take rice. My mum used to pack rice What's in my lunchbox. Yeah, banner. <laughs> oh my gosh, rice and stew. So me there, I go get to my table. 
Uh, no, bruv, I'm, I'm like, it was cold. So I was like, why did my mum pack it if there's mm. no microwave? Mm. So obviously I mixed them, I'm mixing the rice with my fingers, you know. Yeah. You know in Ghana, we mix yeah. every, eat everything, mix it with my fingers and I'm eating and everyone's mm. watching me. And I'm realising that, you know, people mm. are taking out their sandwich, people are get, taking out their packet with crisps. No. I went back home, I said, mum, no. this can't run anymore. Because no, man, no, they're no. picking on me. They called yeah. me Zulu already. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you get all the names thrown at yeah, you. Yeah, bro. Especially primary school, the battle will be real. Yeah, man. It's yeah, too much. But yeah, man. But let's, let's, so Sweden, man. Mm. Like, obviously I've been to Sweden. Went to Stockholm. Mm. Lovely place. Nice, yeah. Dominated by the East Africans over there. Yeah, yeah Total heavy. domination. Yeah, heavy. I, I saw that transition, actually. Oh, how was that? Yeah, so I saw that transition. So, um, when, when I, when I first um, moved to Sweden, mm. like, it's particularly in the South, mm. there, there wasn't many blacks of any well, there was a there was quite there was a bit of a Gambian community, mm. so there was a lot of Gambians who have in, integrated quite nicely into the Swedish culture mm. and community and so forth. Um, but in terms of like Ghanaians and stuff, there wasn't. And then there was a period during like mid midish nineties mm. where there was a massive influx of like people coming from Somalia yeah. and and that side, and that was due to the war that was happening over right. there. Right. So then there became a massive influx. So I saw that transition. I saw mm. it going from being us being the only blacks in the village, mm. to now there's a whole bunch of Somalians. Mm. I mean, I, I even had a best friend at the time, I think his name was um, Hassan Hassan or something. Mm. You were really close. Sick name, like, sick name. You know one of them? It's <laughs> your first name or your last yeah, yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I saw that transition and I saw the whole like transition of them coming in like massive families mm. of like 12 kids and stuff like mm. that. And I saw the changes of how that kind of like changed the culture of the area that we lived mm. in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because with with any um with any minority culture so the the, the swedes in the area the, the little town or the little mm. estate that we lived in at one point with the majority we were only one or two black families amongst wow. a couple of um um hundred houses or whatever then all of a sudden they gradually become the minority mm. and how and did the natives respond to that th- that's the thing so i mean at that time i didn't really clock on to the tension right. because i was really young, young yeah yeah but now when I look back at a lot of things that happen and some of the mm. shifts and changes in people's mm. attitude, mm. I realised that it, it, it like I realised that there was an element of negativity mm. towards mm. like the, the influx of um, the, the, the new group of yeah. people coming in. Yeah. So but it, it was quite interesting because I wish I was I was around for a little bit longer just to clock on to exactly what was happening mm. and how it happened. Yeah. Because like in one moment when when they were the dominant culture, when when the Swedes were the dominant culture mm. at the time then like it was fine having one or two like ethnic families, mm. but then when the change happened, I realized only afterwards that yeah, there was slight level of like animosity that was like mm. raving his head, whether that be from um, violence occurring amongst a particular group, mm. and then now you're being looked down on by yeah. the the locals. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And it it, it happens because I think tribalism is a weird thing, so people don't mind. So, like, for instance, if, if that area remained, like, Swedish mm. and the Swedes were committing violence towards each other, mm. naturally people don't mind when it's their own. It's mm. not that they don't mind, but they, they don't look down on it yeah. as harsh when yeah. they become someone else. else. And, and from you're, another country. From another country, another culture, mm. another race. When mm. is someone else doing it on your land, mm. then it's like, yo, look yeah. at these people, what yeah, they're doing yeah, when yeah, yeah. violence is a part of human nature. Mm. It's probably been happening. Mm. But it's just interesting, that, that whole shift. And um, the area that I lived in, it changed quite a lot in regards to, like, the culture and mm. the the demographics as well. Right, that's mad. And in terms of food as well, did you try any East African food whilst you were over there? Was there yeah, lot, I mean... Was there a lot of East African sort of influence? It was, it was a lot, but it didn't influence our... It didn't influence our plate, like... Not, not your plate, no, right, no, right, no, right, Not at home, but... 
I've always been like tapping into friends' palettes yeah, and yeah, yeah, fees yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So I mean, I go into all the berries and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. rice berries with the bananas <laughs> and, and all of that stuff. Six, and, six, six, and that's funny as well because when I moved here in the UK, my best friend now he's from Pakistan, mm. so he's Asian. Mm. So when, when I came from um, London to the UK and I established that friendship, then it's like I was getting used to the whole. Um, Asian type of food, right? Because now you got neighbors who are because I grew up in like a very Asian area, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like now you got neighbors who are like from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Right. So when it's Eid, they bring you all their spicy foods yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything else. So that cultural shift as well in terms of like tasting that neighbor's food, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And no, I think yeah. it's a good way of like breaking boundaries as well, man. Mm. Just introducing each other to new ideas, mm, new mm, concepts, and yeah. new cultures and foods and stuff. So nah, that's that quite interesting. Nah, it is interesting. And when mm. you when you go to it's it's. It's not very sudden though. It takes a mm. while to sort of get used to, you know what I mean? But when you taste it, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Yo, trust me. You're like, what? You know, this is yeah. why us Ghanaians, we're very mm. sort of, we're not open minded. We don't like to explore when yeah, it comes yeah, to yeah. cuisines. Like, nah, we look at it like, nah, this is long. Jamo. That's them. That's them. We don't want to. Yeah, nah, what's this? <laughs> we'll stick with our king yeah. and our own. And that's, that's why I like to venture, mm. you know what I'm saying? Um, when when your mum and dad were cooking in in mm. Sweden, were they were, did they ever cook Swedish meals? And if they did, did they um, sort of add their own Ghanaian twist to it? Um. So, the, the, well, the, the meatballs, yeah, mm. and they've done the same thing that I'm doing right now, which mm. is in terms of like the the spicing, mm. adding spices that we're accustomed mm. to, adding mm. spices that our palates know, yeah, and making eat. them more spicier. Yeah, because the Swedes weren't into spicy food, mm. so. When you buy meatballs locally, it's not going to be as spicy as you might potentially want it. Mm. But there is a certain type of um, Swedish salad that everyone kind of adopted. Right. So there's this like saladish cake thing. I forgot what the name of it. But it's like a Swedish style salad that right. they do traditionally for special events. Right. And obviously the Ghanaians put their own twist to it by adding additional ingredients that's yeah, not supposed yeah, to be added yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. As you do when you're, when you're merging cultures. Right. So that was the only thing that I think people really took on mm. but still if you go back to sweden now which i do quite regularly it's like they haven't really adopted a lot of the food stuffs mm. from there i don't know if that's because cause, and, and, and it's had an it's had a it's had an impact on me because i don't really engage much in swedish foods right and i wouldn't even be able to tell you like 10 dishes off the top of my head right simply because i didn't engage that much in right. it and when i go back to sweden i don't see much engagement in swedish foods Sweet. as such yeah so they still hold on to their culture quite strongly oh really yeah i was gonna ask yeah. if, if they if they themselves engage in swedish food or is it become more have they become more universal more international and global when it no, comes to just, they just stuck to the stuck to the yeah, ways yeah, yeah, yeah definitely okay now let's move from sweden mm. to london yeah you know how old were you when you moved to london i was i think i was about 12 i think mm. i was about 12 yeah about 11 12 or an age. Yeah. And, and how was that trans- transition like you know? um initially it was a shock to the system because like so the family moved over here before i came over mm. and then um when i came i, was, I thought i was only going to stay for a little bit like, right just a pass for you right like, yeah, little, yeah, little yeah holiday thing and then head back but then when we decided to stay it was definitely a shock to the system. I'm like, yo, this place is way different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a, it was a lot more multicultural. For real. But it's a lot more intimidating as well in terms yeah. of like the, how big you feel like it is when you're in such a city. Yes. And the thing is, obviously London is a city that holds weight. So when you're in Sweden, you know about London because mm. I watch I watch football. Mm. I watch the Premier League mm. at the time as well. So 
like you, you have that level of excitement, but then also you, you kind of feel like dwarfed a bit by the, the whole size of, of the in the feel of the whole big city life. Big city, multiculturalism, multicultural, everything. Yeah. So it's a bit scary. It was a bit scary initially. Mm. I was like, right, this is different. Mm. And then started secondary school as well. I went straight to secondary school. You know, secondary school is where you, where it, it gets real. Yeah, that's when you get real. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when you're finding your feet. Yeah. That's when. That's when you're you're discovering yourself. You're trying mm. to figure things out. At the same time, you're meeting all of these clash of behaviors, yeah. and characters, and cultures. Yeah. So adapting to that was was very yeah, it was tough. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I, I was able to adapt fairly quickly. And the good thing is, where I lived as well, I lived quite close to like a large group of kids who also went to my secondary school. Right. Right. So right. I was right. taken in fairly quickly, which yeah. was good. If it wasn't for that, then my journey would have been harder. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Most deaf, so yeah, that, that adaptation was good, man. I'm I'm sure because look, I mean, Swedish people are lovely people. Definitely, yeah. Lovely people, mm. you know. Um, met a few people out there, mm. very welcoming, very receptive. Mm. How how was it when you met you people <laughs> from United Kingdom? <laughs> okay, so in, in Sweden, um, as a kid in the morning, like when when I'm going off to like I don't know. Like when, when you're just walking on the street in the morning, right. everyone used to say hi to each other. So mm. like, hello, hello, mm. hey, 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 or whatever, hi, hi, hi. Everyone mm. be waving hi, bye, whatever. Mm. And um, you'll be smiling and stuff. Mm. But when I came into London, there was one incident that I had, I think it was like, I think it was, I was on the train on Central Line. Mm. And I was like, I don't know, about 12, 13. And um, I was trying to wave to some random people. Mm. And the screw face that they gave me, I'll never ever forget this. Because I'm thinking, oh man, I'm seeing my fellow my fellow brothers and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, hey, like, they're thinking, who's this? Yeah, Donny fan. You know what I mean? Who's this goofy guy just waving yeah, and smiling yeah, yeah, yeah. at us? Like, what do you want? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I, I don't know if it's a big C thing or if it's a London thing or if it's just like the whole confusion where everyone sticks together when, mm. when you're in such a multicultural city and mm. like people become less friendly, they become colder and become icier yeah. as well. So that was a weird experience. From there, I realized that now I'm not gonna go around smiling no, no. and waving <laughs> at random people in the central. Like, it, it. it doesn't go down. It might not be interpreted the way that I wanted yeah, to. So yeah. I definitely found the country to be colder in terms yeah. of like people's personas and behaviors. Absolutely, I, you, I so. feel like that in London. Anyways, yeah. like you can't. Sometimes you're even scared to ask someone for directions. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, because who you calling? Excuse me, excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. Like, oh. they, they just they just walk quickly and they just cut. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I realize it's a big city thing because. Big cities come with a lot of things, and one of the things that big cities come with is violence mm. and, and theft and robbery or whatever, yeah, all the negative stuff. Whereas small countries, small cities, sorry, small yeah. towns, everyone knows each other. Everyone knows each other, so you're it's less like community. Yeah. And when you're in pr- close proximity to someone in a small section and you know them or you know someone that they know, it's less likely for you to have that animosity or that mm-hmm. fear of potentially being robbed or whatever. So I quickly realized that, yeah, it's a, it's a big city thing, mm. you know what I mean? It's mm. like they don't know you. Right, and mm. things happen. Yeah. So it's like you might be potentially that thing that's going to happen to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go into automatic defense mode, which is sad because mm. it's it, being in the city is what's meant to be bringing us together. Mm. So sometimes it's like the fact that there's so much emphasis and focus on that negative stuff can mm. put a bit of a down, especially mm. for a newbie coming into mm. the city. Mm. I remember, yeah, it's something that we're working on, I guess. Yeah, no, it's just <laughs> I don't think that will ever change. <laughs> That's just ingrained in the culture to yeah. the point where you almost sort of yeah become that. You do, you do. That's the thing. Your environment shapes you, man. Because you learn the ropes. Yeah. And when you learn the ropes, and it's sad to it's the sad. point where you go on holiday and you feel a bit 
Yeah. You don't know edge. what to do with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a bit on edge. You're like, what should I do? Should I conversate? But, should I communicate? Or should I say hello? That's the thing. But one thing I realised about people from a lot of my travels is that, like, majority, like a large majority of human beings are actually really, really good people. Mm. Like, a large, large chunk of human beings actually want to just go about their life. They want to work. They want to be able to feed themselves, mm. take care of their families. They want to be able to learn. They want to be mm. able to, like, have a roof over their head. Mm. Majority of people are really out here trying to do good. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Or they're trying to gain something or do something with themselves. Mm. But there's always that small group that's going to paint or give you that, like, PTSD because you've had an experience yes. with someone yes. of a negative, like... Yes. Um, nature and that's that's the part that we're trying to deal with now that's mm. like the difficult element of like human culture and, and interaction True. and yeah man it's, it's difficult because yeah, yeah. everyone's on their side playing their game yeah. yeah it's very difficult to kind of like merge and put everyone together and find one unified front that we can all like stick for real, for real, yeah. for real. what was the first thing you, you were munching when you got to London then when you made that move from Sweden oh. to to do you know what, yeah, I fell into the whole, like, chicken and chips, like, last Because I, I was secondary school, because I came straight to secondary school, and I was gassed, because... The two-pound gang. Yo, I was a one-pound gang. My pocket money didn't stretch that far. <laughs> secondary school, my pocket money was not stretch well, that far. My mum was generous, huh? My mum was boiling, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the two-pound guys in my school, they had, they had a burger and chips. I was a, I was three wings and, and chips, or um, a, a chicken and chips guy, bro. Yeah. yeah, the one-pound junior special meals. <laughs> but, um... Because, funny enough, before we moved to London, we already knew about the chicken and chip mm. culture. Mm. Like, it was something that we used to, like, identify Londoners. Mm. Like, oh, the guys who eat chicken and chips. Yeah, yeah, eat yeah. chicken and chips. Mm. So, as a kid, it's something that you're kind of excited to explore because yeah. you've heard so much about it. You've yeah. heard that it's a part of British, British the culture. Like, yeah. it was chips and fish or right. chicken and chips. Yeah. And coming into secondary school, I was bound to fall into that culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you're looking for that pound. Oh, let me a pound. Yeah, every, yeah, 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 every day looking for a pound to, for real, for to go and buy chicken and chips. So... That became like a, a, a staple diet, mm. but then also like you realize how many like African outlets there are, here. and then obviously when I come here, I have more aunties, more uncles, mm. more family. Yeah. So I'm I'm like going from house to house, and you're just having massive meals yeah, left, right, and center, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of solid like African meals as well. Yeah, you know? for real, for real. And I don't think the trend has changed much, man. Nah, <laughs> not at all. It, it not hasn't changed, but my palate hasn't changed. I'm still eating African food, yeah, man, all yeah, the hard yeah, stuff, yeah, but. Yeah. The, the thing about the hard stuff, you can't eat every day, though. That's no, it's the thing. true. It wears it's you true. down. It's true. Uh, it's true. No, and I was the same. I was, mm. You know what? The, the first thing I ate, I remember the first thing I ate was a jam donut. My mum was like, try it. And I, I hated it. Is it? I just hated the gooeyness of it. Yeah. And then I fell, I fell into the chicken and chips culture, man. <laughs> There's something about chicken and chips that yeah. Guardians sort of gravitate towards. To. I Trust don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the, the, the saltiness or the spiciness yeah. of the... The breading, I don't <laughs> know, man. It's crazy, bro. Yeah, there's something about that. And I think it's a generational as well. It's, yeah, it's yeah, lasting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's held weight. Yeah. And it's, it's still going on now. I'm sure if you go past any secondary school right now, yeah. you walk past the chicken and chips, so everyone's congregating there. For real. I think one of the things as well that helped it helped it merge into like the culture of young people is the pricing as well. Yeah. Because for what you're paying for one pound, like normally at that time you can't afford McDonald's. You know what I mean? You don't have five pounds to buy a McDonald's yeah. meal. But for one pound, you can still get meat and, yeah, and chips. Yeah, 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 so yeah, it made sense. I think it was the pricing of it that kind of got us into it. And then, and then it becomes a part of the culture. It's the hangout. It's the hangout. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it posted you know, outside of the school. But we all know it's not healthy. No, it's not. It's not. It's so it's not like we're promoting it. We all know it's not healthy. But yeah, yeah it's how it kind of merges into the culture. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Nah, I got, man, it's interesting. It's very interesting chatting to you because yeah. I'm just like, 
that transition, the move from Ghana, yeah. Sweden, yeah. London, you Definitely. know what I mean? And now you live, you I live in, in Essex. Essex. Yeah, yeah. It's mad, isn't it? I went from like deep East Londoner to like Essex, but I've only been in Essex for, well, well no, actually I've been in Essex for longer actually because mm. my, my family moved out to Essex mm. first before obviously I branched off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things, when you're talking about the transition, I think one of the beautiful things that that's done for me as a yes. person is that it's I'm, made me understand people culturally. It's made me more accepting and more understanding and more analytical of human behaviours. Mm. So it's like, so I remember when when I when when I was in like my late teens and I'm going on my first lads holiday with like mm. the boys and we're going somewhere in Europe, like everyone's worry is always about the racism aspect of things. It's like how are they gonna perceive a whole bunch of black boys mm. coming into this European country now? Mm. And it's like with a lot of like black people, we always have that fear of judgment, of um, racism, yeah. of biasness and everything. Yeah. Which is yeah, it happens. Mm. But at the same time, because I've had that experience of various cultures, I knew that it wasn't everyone in every setting who was going to treat you in a particular way because of your race, your gender, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. So I was a- I was able to not be completely bliss to the idea, but I was able to I was able to switch code and to adapt because mm. I've I've had the experiences of being in an all white setting. Do you know what I mean? I've had the experience of being the only black kid. I've had all of those experiences. I've gone through. So you feel it. comfortable in those. I've, I feel comfortable in, in those settings. Yeah, in, in that sense. environment. Whilst if you don't, then your 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 natural senses, your your apprehensive, and then also your natural senses is always gonna look out for the negative. Yes. So when a look, when a woman gives you that dirty look because you're black and you walk into that restaurant, you're gonna notice that, but you're not gonna notice the twenty smiles, thinking, oh my gosh, these guys might yeah. be interesting. And, you and, know what I mean? And as human beings, we. We tend to look for differences rather than commonalities. Hundred percent. You know I mean, um, we we we've, that's, we always tend to go to the differences. Yeah, there's, there's something interesting about that as well. So the, the reason why we look at differences and the negative is because it's it's a part of our survival mechanism. Because mm. the good, um, if because the thing is the good naturally, you know that it's not gonna is it doesn't it doesn't potentially lead to death. Mm. Whilst the negative, you do know that it can potentially lead to death. Mm. So you focus on that for your own survival reasons. Mm. It's a part of our natural evolutionary instinct. Right. You see what I mean? Right. Like, you don't go into a war zone looking for the one op- opposition um, soldier waving a, a white flag. You're looking at the 20 guys who yeah, potentially yeah, pointing yeah, rifles yeah, at you. Because yeah, yeah. that's what your focus needs to be in order for you to survive. Mm. You see what I mean? So maybe that's one of the reasons why we focus too much on that when it might potentially be the minuscule in that setting. It might be a small percentage or a tiny fragment mm. of someone that's having a negative eye on you, mm. but because it's a part of our survival mechanism, it's like, yo, I can see that from a mile away. Yeah. I can feel that from a mile away. Right. It is there, but you're, you're forgetting about the 99. Yeah, that's real, great. Real, Do you see real, what I mean? And that's the, that's the human aspect. I don't know how to solve it because I'm not... I'm not at that level inclined, no, no, but no, I understand no, no. it and yeah. I see it and I yeah. know where it no, comes from. It makes from. sense, it makes sense. You know so I mean? that, 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 that has definitely shaped you in becoming the person you are today. Oh, 100%. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, def- I definitely feel like it, it's better prepared me to like network, to engage mm. and to understand. Mm. You know what I mean? And to, and to just be able to like function in different settings because mm. like, I, I think what we've got to understand with human nature as well is that like we're all different. Mm. We're all different. And the thing is, yeah, our, our differences is what's meant to make us like great. It's not what's meant to like separate divide us. Divide us. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? But sometimes we focus on what divides more than yeah. what brings together. But yeah, 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 the, yeah. the hard part is how do you create that wholesomeness, that yeah. bringing together? Yeah. How do you create like a unified front that everyone right. is willing to back? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. why, why would I back you if you look different for me? Sure. We need to find sure. that. 
you know what I mean? Instead of finding, oh, instead of focusing on what makes us different now, let's push apart right. even further. You are right, because you know that I mean? can make us great. Man. It can make just us imagine great. what we could accomplish if you see what I mean? all the cultures just sort of interact, interacted, engage. And, and the thing is, we, we should understand that, yeah, we are different, and yeah, we will we will naturally always progress towards was was us. We're all tribalistic. Mm. You know what I mean? I was even telling um, a, a gentleman who I was talking to recently, he's a evolutionist, and I was telling him, um, he, he's a white guy, and I was like, oh, whenever I watch boxing and there's a black guy and a white guy fighting, I, I get hurt when the black guy gets hit. Mm. I always want the black guy to win. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm, I'm racist, but mm. it's because I'm, I'm, I relate more to it. Yeah. It's a tribalistic yes. thing. Do you see what I mean? But then at the same time, it's like, okay, what if those two people are from the same country? The black guy and the white guy. Yeah. <laughs> who do you gravitate to them? So then it, it, it's still a bit tricky, but mm. um, and he gave me a great example. He was like, for for he was like, if to him, if he was to find a solution to bringing people together in like a multicultural society, he looks he would look at it like this. Like for instance, if you go to a football stadium mm. and you're like an Arsenal supporter, right? And Arsenal scores and you go crazy. All of you are going crazy together. There's all sorts of groups of people mm. hugging each other, mm. boom, 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 jumping, mm. oh, yo, 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 yo. But it's like, it's like, how can you replicate that on like a national level? Right. Do you know what I mean? And ideally, that's supposed to be like the flag. That's supposed to be like our national anthem. That's supposed right. to be like our passport, our nationality, mm. things that we, we um, like, do you know what I mean? Think, things that we can relate to together as a wholesome. But like nowadays, this is becoming a bit more trickier because mm. of the current political climate mm. and we're, we're poking holes at like, what is not great about the nations instead of what's good about it that we can all come together in a in a common way to say okay we all should fight for this because right. this will make all of us safer this will make all of us live in a more balanced and an equal society Absolutely. but instead Absolutely. we're saying everything about this is wrong yeah it's, it's a sticky situation man it's a it sticky is a sticky one. situation mm. man it is a sticky situation it's never easy mm. we, um we obviously we, so we've covered basically mm. your international yeah. <laughs> sort of a giant. <laughs> Where's home? Oh, Where's home? Like, Damn. Is it, is it Ghana? Is it Sweden? Is it London? Okay. Home, home, home. Home is definitely Ghana. Mm. Let me just get that clear. Mm. Um, and the thing is, home truly became Ghana. Why? To me, in, in the last maybe like five years. Why? What happened? Um, and to me, it was it was lack of connection. Mm. So, a young lady. But the thing is, let, let me just make this clear: all three places are home. I love all three places. Right. Like I've got a Swedish passport, and inside my passport it says "Born in Ghana, um, um, Swedish passport, but UK citizen." Right. So I've got permanent residence here in the UK. Okay. So it identifies all the three nationalities within one passport. Yeah. But when I say home is Ghana, because obviously one, I was born there. It's the language or it's the language of my people, the origins of my people. Do you see what I mean? My parents, great grandparents, grandparents, like it's the origins, it's where my story started. Do you know what I mean? Because without Ghana, my story wouldn't have been here in the first place. So Ghana is where the heart and the soul is. Mm. But then all the other countries is a part of what's made me as a human being. So even though as much as I love to claim Ghana, Mm. even when I go Ghana, they they calling me a white boy. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? I get that all the time. Fish and chips boy. Fish and chips boy. So it's like that 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 dissidence. It's like regardless of how much I claim Ghana, they know that culturally I've been influenced by all of these other places. That's why I have to accept all those places because I can't lie to myself. I'm culturally influenced by all of these places. Do you see what I mean? As much as I know the Ghanaian language and I eat the food. 
people can feel your culture sometimes. Mm. And if the locals in the country that you're trying to claim can feel mm. from a mile away that your culture has been tampered with, <laughs> you know you have to then just admit it and accept, yeah, yeah, just accept it, yeah. the whole swing of things. Yeah. But my heart, my soul is definitely in Ghana. And I can see myself settling in Ghana because mm. in the last couple of years, I've been going back there more regularly. Mm. I've been understanding how Ghana functions. I've been, I've been connecting, reconnecting with mm. the Ghanaian soil. Um, so Ghana will definitely say it's home and then definitely London and Sweden because yeah. uh, because even though I stayed in Sweden first, mm. I spent more time in London. I spent most of my life in London. Mm. I spent 20 years in London. Mm. So London is home. London's where I got my education. London's mm. where I gained all my life, long-term and lifetime friends and London's where I've, I've learned my craft. I've understood everything. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like the mindset, the programming is London. And obviously Sweden is also the love because it was where it kind of started after Ghana. So I'm connected to all three, but if I was to have a chart, like a league, Ghana at the top, and then obviously UK, London, and then um, Sweden. But yeah, I respect all three. I, I, I love that. I love mm-hmm. the fact that you, you're saying there's a home Yeah. there in each of those countries. In each of those places is a home. I could definitely easily settle in all three countries. Yeah, yeah, easy, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, love that. That. I love that. Easily, without that. Love, yeah. I love the fact that you said like... <laughs> Culturally, from a minor way, the Guardians know that your culture has been damaged. Yo, they know. Which leads me to my next question. Like, mm. obviously, we're, we're, I think as black people, we're mm. always struggling with identity yeah. and yeah. the sense of belonging. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Is that always been something that you have to grapple with? Then? Um. Yeah, I think. But the thing is, I've, I've been, I've been kind of, I'm, I'm from like a bit of a privileged position because. I know my origins. I know where I was born. Right, 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 right. Do you know right. what I mean? I, I'm, I'm in the process of even getting my Ghanaian passport now to do right. a due citizenship. Sick, so sick. it's like, I, I understand the pain of those yeah. who are still looking for their identity because yeah. they've been disconnected. Right. And um, so it's like now, when, when I'm watching TV and everything and seeing what's happening in America, especially with the black community and everything, mm. like psychologically, spiritually, I understand everything they're going through. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Simply because that connection is, is, is lost. It's mm. like, Imagine it's like you're you're you're, you're taken from your land, yeah. Like over hundreds of years, and then like you, you're you're struggling to connect with the land that you live in because yeah. of historically what's happened, mm. and then now you're trying to maybe find a route back, but that route back isn't clear because the cultures are not even the same. Like yes. African American and American culture is not the same. Like not all cultures are the same. There's so many cultures mm. even within. The black sphere. People can't just put all blacks in one box mm-hmm. because the cultures, we, the cultures between Ghanaians and Nigerians are different. Yorubas yeah. and Igbos, these are tribes in the same country. Ashanti, Ashanti, Ghana. Like Ashantis don't even let their kids marry Ghana. Mm-hmm. These are two tribes within the same mm-hmm. country, mm-hmm. within like a four four hour drive away from each other. Mm-hmm. So that what people got to understand about culture and like feeling disconnected is that it's very very intricate it's very sensitive and it's beyond just the physical it's spiritual it's historical mm. it's, it's, it's what you learn in school and everything yeah. so when you get to a, when you get to an older age and you then figure out oh my gosh this is actually my true history and you For haven't real. learned about your history from an infancy For real. you will feel angry you will feel disconnected mm. there's a serious sense of disconnect there mm. and you feel lost as well it's like mm. yo where am I who am I mm. and then all of these things are happening around you yo that'll drive you crazy For so real. I definitely like empathize and feel the pain of those who feel disconnected and lost like culturally but I, I come from a bit of a privileged position because I don't like I, I, I know I was born in Ghana I've got the birth certificate saying Kumasi yeah. I travel there all the time I've got family there I speak the language this solid I, I'm it. still connected to the community heavy here and there mm-hmm. so there's not that much of a disconnect yeah 
you know what I mean? The only little bit of a disconnect is when you go back and it's still called your wife, but you think, ah, rah, I thought I was one of the men. After then. everything I did. After everything I did. I put in a passport. I was born here, bro. And like, now you're not trying to tell me different. So yeah. I think the, I think the key thing is like education from young and honest education. Mm. So like telling people about their history, mm. telling people about like where, where they're coming from, from mm. an honest and unbiased viewpoint. Because mm. if you know it from a young age, you won't, be, you won't, you won't, it won't hit you later on in life. And then you're confused trying to search for the so-called truth or whatever. And then you're being inundated with all sorts of information. Mm. A lot of it misleading, a lot of it radicalized mm. and a lot of it just putting you into a state of confusion and mm. chaos. And that's where you find a lot of people trying to figure out where their identity is. Because mm. the migration from Africa forced or voluntarily has been on a mass and crazy mm. scale. So there's a lot of people out there that feel disconnected to the mm. continent. Sorry, I don't know where we were. Yeah, no, so what I was just saying is that, um, yeah, when, when you feel so, when you're so disconnected, yeah. and you're so withdrawn from your origins, but then you're being told by the natives in the country that you, you now reside in, that you're not an original and you're from somewhere else, yeah. it leaves you a bit lost. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that can lead to anything after that. Right? No. So, yeah. no, I respect what you're saying. I think, you know, education is key. Mm. Education is, is key and distraction is the problem i think yeah. we easily get distracted mm, and definitely. distraction causes you to think about it makes you question yourself mm. you know with what you've seen on tv with media with what people are saying to you definitely. when you go to ghana these are all distractions which brings doubt into your head definitely it makes you question psychologically yourself. It's, draining. it's draining it's, it's definitely draining. draining it is draining but i i think one of the one of the I mean, it, it, it's hard to say from my standpoint what mm. other people should feel or what mm. moves they should take, but I think one of the things that we can potentially work on is also accepting where you reside mm. and and assimilating and connecting to the culture mm. and connecting mm. to, to the people and accepting that you're maybe you're here for a reason. So for real, for real. Do the work of, of your purpose because if, if, I'm, if I'm in the UK and I'm going to reside in the UK and stay here forever, mm. I'm not going to like be battling the yeah, UK yeah, as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I'll battle causes within the UK, but yeah. I'll battle it in the name of trying to make the UK better, yeah. not in the name of ripping the UK. Yeah. And I think that's possibly one of the things that maybe, maybe because I've had good experiences, I'm able to represent yeah. all the nations I'm True. from because I understand the positives that I was able to extract right. from all of those places. Right. But if your experience is different, and obviously your outcome and behaviour yeah, is going to yeah, be different, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, the focus is definitely what will lead yeah. to your own self-happiness and sure, being able to focus on doing the good that you need to do to benefit others. For real, for real. Listen, Francis, obviously you got your Let's Do Humans podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, for those who don't know, Francis, his podcast is big. He's, yeah. He gets big guests on. He does it. it on a regular now. Yeah. Um, it's doing well, it. man. Yeah, appreciate it. It's doing really well. The podcast it. game. Um, yeah. You're doing well, man. What, why did you get into it? If it's just very briefly. Yeah, so um, Let's Do Humans podcast is basically what it says on the tin. So mm. it's about doing humans. It's mm. about communicating. It's about engaging with human beings on, mm. a, on, a, on a human level. Just mm. trying to understand each other. Mm. And um, it was birthed out of my own sort of like mishaps within the education mm. system. I didn't feel I gained much in school. Mm. I didn't think I understood a lot. I wasn't able to 
um, connect with the education system properly. I didn't do great academically. Mm. And that's just because my style of learning and dyslexia and all the other stuff that wasn't identified when it was supposed to be identified, mm. it wasn't tackled. But as I got older and I started communicating with people and I realised mm. that, wait, this I learned great this way. Mm. I learned great having mm. conversations mm. and connecting pe- with people on a real level where mm. it's not like superficial or overly structured. And that's the reason, that's the sort of like reason behind me starting the podcast. Mm. I thought, okay, I'm going to go and go on a journey of like self-learning and self-growth and I'm just going to share that journey and put right. the content out there. Right. And that's what Let's Do Humans is about. So that's why, so people usually ask me, what's your niche? And I'm like, I don't everything. do niche. I do everything. everything. Like I'll talk to anyone who I find interesting or who I think has a story yeah, worthwhile yeah, yeah. listening to or engaging yeah. with and potentially learning from and sharing that experience mm. of learning mm. with others. So mm. that's Let's Do Humans. It's, it's so, open for anyone and everybody me, that has a story. Listen to it. It is so, so sick. I appreciate so it. So sick, man. You get some guests on there, you chop it up. Yeah, and it's yeah. very in- informative yeah. and educational as well. Yeah. So, you know, big ups to you, man. Big ups to you. Finally, mm. What's your go-to meal when you're oh. when you're looking for comfort? When, when I'm looking for comfort, when you're all homesick or whatever, because you got you got Ghana, Sweden, London. What's your go-to oh, yeah. meal if you had to? You know, yeah, this is this is gonna be like a traitor meal, yeah. <laughs> so the mad thing is, like my go-to meal, my regular meal is usually Caribbean dishes. Hey, <laughs> my friend. Imagine, I just cooked up a Swedish meal. We've been talking about Africa for the right. last how many minutes? Now, now, now the po- we're going to have to start a new podcast again. Yo, now <laughs> we're going to have to title this from... Interview again, bro. From Africa to Sweden <laughs> to Kingston. No. Like, I, I love Caribbean food, man. Right. Um, so, okay, this is my this is my excuse to always give you. It's, it's basically the this softer version of African food. Mm. So I feel with African food, especially the ones that I love, yeah, they're too heavy to eat on a daily basis. They can't be staple diets. Jamaican is very light. While Jamaican um, cuisine is light and as flavoursome. So I I can feel like I can go to a Jamaican, I can have a Jamaican meal every day. I don't know if you can classify Jamaican meal or Caribbean meal. I can have a Caribbean meal every single day and not be slumped and be sleeping unless like I have a large sum or maybe like add it with some hard food or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I can't have solid Ghanaian food every day. Mm -hmm. I can't have it two days in a row. <laughs> it's a Sunday thing or a weekend thing. I'm upset, man. Francis is dead in my vibe. Man, dead the interview. Might as well cut off the whole thing. Dead the thing, man. Dead the thing. Yeah, I just turned into a Kingstonian. Yeah, but I mean, I love Caribbean food, man. I love yeah, it. Nah, nah, he, you know, Caribbean food is amazing. It's yeah, probably curry goes. Curry yeah, go, all of that, everything. all of that, all of that. Um, just very quickly, if people want to reach you and watch mm. your, your thing, yeah. uh, you know, let's do humans. How do what? Where do where do they go? Um. So let's do humans podcast is on all the various platforms. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on everywhere. Mm. And um, it's let's do humans. That's one word. Mm. So L E T S D O H U M A N S. So let's do humans. So one word. If you type that into YouTube, I'll definitely pop up. Mm. Top that pop that into Spotify and iTunes, where most of my listeners come from. Mm. Um, then I'm on there as well so make sure you check that out and engage man. Let's listen yo this has been probably the most yeah. informative well, I appreciate it man my brain just went into corners <laughs> I felt like one minute I was in Ghana doing the Azonto just take it culturally everywhere bruv, the next minute I'm in Sweden shivering <laughs> shivering we're dancing then, like this yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. next <laughs> minute I'm in London I'm on the Bakerloo line train yeah, trust just me bacon. trying to avoid people and trying to avoid eye contact you know we what ended I mean? up in Kingston at the end. then we ended up in Kingston how yeah. I don't know it's, mad, it's the beauty that's of the beauty of culture man, as well. listen Francis, always well, a pleasure. Bro. I appreciate that. Listen, man. that definitely. was a banging meatball. No, nah, those meatballs, please, when you can, send us the recipe. I will do. I'll, I'll pop that through. Make sure you share that with everyone. Appreciate that. Listen, you've just listened to 
this food bangs with the main man from let's do humans come on um make sure you check him out and that's it really bang bang um. <laughs>